Hey everybody, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Saber Talk podcast. I am Mark Geis, your host, and we'll be talking tonight about the Sabers' 2-1 loss in a shootout in Ottawa. Uh, Ottawa got pounded with snow. The crowd was pretty, pretty lackluster, but ended up being a good, pretty even game. I thought uh, not the Sabers outplayed the Senators, but Craig Anderson, their goalie, was very tough. And I guess this team was due to run into a to run into a hot goaltender for a game. They'd had some luck recently with opposing goaltending and them giving up poor goals early, but definitely not tonight. I thought Robin Leonard had another sound and solid game against his former team. Nice to see him build off his performance from last game, uh, but just couldn't quite outplay Craig Anderson. What did him in was, was the shootout. And... Eichel had an amazing pass on Matt Molson's goal, Sabres' only goal of the night. Molson was getting to run with Eichel tonight. Uh, Part of that was due to Evander Kane being out. But when Kane comes back, I'm assuming it'll be next game, Molson will either be moving down the lineup or he may even be scratched. We'll see. Probably after scoring a goal this game, he won't be scratched. But he's one of those bubble guys. He might be the, the 12th forward, and if... If they want to get somebody else in the lineup, he very well could be the one that that comes out. I thought Eichel had a really good game. Bilesma leaned on him more and more as the game went on. He led Sabres forwards in ice time with 22 minutes, and I think that was indicative of of how he played tonight and how Bilesma felt that he could could lean on him. I know Eichel was tough on himself after the game about not being able to convert on that breakaway that he got in overtime, and... Also, not being able to score in the shootout. Sabres didn't score on either attempt they had. But I thought he had a great game overall. And his pass was amazing. That was, you know, that that eye-popping play you see from from Jack each game. But I thought overall he made made an impact. He was dangerous most of the night. Um, He was getting into his areas. And that's great to see. I think he's been playing very, very well overall recently. And at a time when you expect a rookie to maybe hit that wall, he hasn't. He's gotten better and better, and he's figuring out this league more every single night, which is great to see. And I think coming back next year, assuming he doesn't hit a wall down the stretch, there's still plenty of time left, so that very well could happen where he just gets worn down, especially if they're leaning on him more like this, game in and game out. But if he can if he can build on this and even take it to the next level next year. Really, the sky is the limit for him. I mentioned Kane when Kane comes back on Friday. I'm assuming he'll be back on Friday. They'll only suspend him for the one game, but I'm hoping that this is just a one-off thing with him. And it was pretty funny. I just talked last podcast. I I don't know if I'd ever... I may have mentioned the sexual assault accusations once when they first happened, but I had just talked after last game about how I was proud of Kane, how he turned his season around after distractions and he hadn't really produced much directly after the distractions but after a few games after those came out he really has been a different different player since then and I had said last podcast that he's been working hard all season and you never could discount him for not working hard but his hard work you know hard skating and everything it wasn't really resulting in a whole lot in terms of getting the Sabres consistent possession, which then tends to result in offensive production over the long run. But recently, 
it's all become productive and not just in terms of offensive productivity, but in terms of him, his hard work resulting in more possession for the Sabres. He's really been a beast on the forecheck specifically. And in turn, it's resulted in goals and, and offensive production for him. So I'm hoping this is a one-off thing for him. I, I don't really know. I think it's, it's too early. I've seen a lot of people, let's trade him. He's obviously a cancer. I don't think you can make those kind of categorical distinctions with one proven incident. I, I think it looks bad. Um, I've also seen people trying to be, trying to completely excuse it and trying to say, well, which one of us hasn't, hasn't slept in by accident for work and missed an alarm? I think that's also the wrong attitude to take with this. I think to, you have to look at it like it's a mistake, and you've got to hope that he responds the right way and that he plays. He even comes out with something to prove, you know, that I am going to be an important player here, that I'm, I'm ecstatic that Buffalo took a chance on me and that they believed enough in me to give as much as they did up for him. And also, obviously on a selfish side for him, that he's going to want to prove that he's a consummate professional before he hits the open market in two more years because he only has two more years after this left on his contract and that'll be his big opportunity to get to get paid that'll be his assuming he goes out and gets a a six-year deal seven-year deal whatever whether it's from the Sabres or another team that's going to be his his big big money contract where he's going to be looking at getting six or seven million dollars per year Obviously, a lot depends on what happens over the next two years, but you've got to think salaries are still going to trend upward at least somewhat. He's making uh, an annual salary of $5.25 million per year, average annual salary, so cap hit. Uh, So obviously, selfishly, he's going to have to come back and and prove that over this next two and one-third seasons. That's what I'm hoping he does, because one more mistake, I think he, he really becomes damaged goods. Um, I don't mind partying. I know hockey players, especially in this team, it's a a young team. There are going to be guys that are out hitting the town. I'm that age, so I understand it. But at the same time, you've got to realize you're being paid millions upon millions of dollars to to show up and and to to really represent this franchise. And if you can't do that. Obviously, an owner is going to think long and hard about keeping you there long term if you're not if you're not representing the the brand well because that's really what a what a professional team is. For me, character concerns I think they're largely overblown the vast majority of the time, and I think that they have been with him, and they have and they are with with most athletes in most sports. But at the same time, I'm not the one calling the shots. It's an owner that's calling the shots. So if an owner thinks that somebody is is not representing the brand well, is making the brand look bad, they are going to be completely justified in moving said player that's representing the brand poorly, even if they're not getting full value back. And I'm not saying that's going to happen with Kane, but I think if one more thing happens, if he has one more incident, whether it's something like this or you know it could be any of a number of things, could be any could be some sort of disagreement with teammates. He hasn't had any sort of that here, at least that we've heard about publicly. So I don't think that that's a, that's a worry necessarily. But you never know because that happened with him in Winnipeg. Obviously, Winnipeg's a different city. I think Buffalo is a little bit more accepting and a little bit less conservative in, in those 
in in that sense. But you never know with teammates. You never know. All it takes is one more time for him to go out and party and to and to not set an alarm. And I think this discussion will get will get ramped up to the next level. So I'm hoping it doesn't get to that point, but it very easily could. And I think suspending him for a game is the right move. They brought it out publicly, said they were disappointed. Kane made the public apology, uh, said the right things, and I just hope th- that this is it with him because I think he can be an important part of this team moving forward, and he's been extremely important recently. Having a guy that can score 20-plus goals and that can be a beast on the forecheck, is fast, can fight, you know, brings a... He has his limitations, obviously, and we've talked about those time and time again on this podcast, but he's an extremely valuable player for what he brings. As long as you don't expect him to bring all those things that are his deficiencies, you don't expect him to be a great passer, you don't expect him to uh, necessarily have tremendous vision or to be able to work with every player up and down your lineup. As long as you don't expect those things, I think he can be an extremely valuable player, and I think his value ups tremendously once you get into the into postseason hockey or postseason type hockey. So I won't talk any more about any more about him. I think that's enough time to commit. Johan Larson, he came back tonight. I thought he looked very good in his return. I thought that line had a slow first period. They were out there for the goal, but and they didn't look great on the goal. It was kind of poor coverage overall, both for them and for the defenders. But they really picked it up for the rest of the game. And I love that. I loved that Felino Larson Gianta line when they were together about a month ago. So it was pretty cool to see them reunited and hopefully we see them together moving forward. Because I think they, they work well together. I think Gianta's looked at his best when he's been with those guys. I think Felino kind of feeds off Larson's energy and he brings it even harder when he's with Larson. Felino's been very good recently too. I thought he had a great game tonight. And he's been playing probably his longest stretch of consistently good hockey in his career in Buffalo. In every game, I get a little bit more tempted to say that maybe he's a different player now. But we've, we have been teased so many times by him, so I'm still kind of leery of that. If he keeps us up the rest of the season or most of the rest of the season, I probably will be willing to draw a conclusion that he is now a legitimate top nine NHL forward and that he's going to be much more consistent moving forward. I'm still wary, though, because it's just been so many times where you think, oh, yeah, that, that Felino that we saw when he first came up is back. That guy that's going to that's gonna chip in 15 goals, he's back. He's, he's hitting everything. But then after four games, he's back to being invisible for the next 10. So I hope that this keeps up with him, and I think being on this line helps a lot. And I think Gianta feeds off the, the energy from the other two as well. And they kind of bring a little bit of everything. Felino's the big guy. They they're pretty they're pretty good skaters overall. Felino's a good skater for a guy of his size. Larson isn't a isn't an amazing skater. Gianta isn't an amazing skater, but together they, they get it done and they have pretty good range pretty good range overall. None of them are below average skaters by by any means. Um, I did not love Ryan O'Reilly tonight, and I think Bilesma saw the same thing. Than I did. He started riding some other guys more than he usually would have, having more options too. Back with Larson back in the lineup and Gergensen's coming back uh, the game prior, he has more options now to lean on. But I think he kind of eased off his eased off relying on O'Reilly down the stretch because he wasn't great at the dot. Not that Eichel wasn't tremendous at the dot either. I think Eichel was slightly better, but I think O'Reilly was at about a 30% clip tonight and. I don't know, just wasn't really himself. He 
he wasn't securing the puck, uh, had a couple turnovers, uh, just just wasn't making his his usual impact. And that and that happens over the course of an 82 game season. I don't think it's a trend with him necessarily. Obviously, he hasn't been playing at the level that he was early in the season. I think part of that's being worn being worn down though. So maybe as Bilesma leans on some other guys more, it'll help O'Reilly become rejuvenated, not having to play 25 minutes a night. Maybe being more at that 18, 19, 20 minute level will will help him. Um, I did think Justin Bailey had another nice game, and I think especially if McGinn gets traded, that there was a report. I guess I'll talk about that real quickly, but that uh, that Tim Murray's looking for a second round pick in return for Jamie McGinn. I think that's a very fair asking price for him, and I think that they will get it from some team, from a contending team, a late second round pick. And I, I've said it before, this is a this is a seller's market because there are very few teams that are completely out of it. And I think they're going to be there are going to be many more buyers than sellers. There are going to be probably 20-plus teams that could be buyers, and there are only going to be a handful of teams, you know, maybe five, six teams that are really going to be sellers, and the Sabres are going to be one of those teams. So I think McGinn easily will get a second-round pick, and I think you have to take that if you're the Sabres. Maybe if you want, you can go and see what his asking price is in the offseason, but you've got to, you've got to take that back I'm not in favor of re-signing him, and I've talked about that a couple times because of the term I think it's going to take. It's not just the money, but the term and the spot that he's going to take in the lineup. And I do think that he is a flawed player. He can be valuable in the right situation. He's been valuable here so far, and I like him, but he's a flawed player, and I don't know if going forward, if you know, three years down the line, if he's going to fit here. And I think it would be a mistake. Those are the types of guys that you tend to regret signing to long-term deals. Uh, but anyways, back to Bailey. I think he's going to be up here down the stretch once deals like that McGinn trade happen. There are a couple more spots here. Um, he still looks like he belongs now, and really they're only missing Ennis of the of the regulars. So Bailey fits. Obviously Kane comes back and everybody else is healthy. Then you've got to think about sitting down, somebody like Molson, maybe even Delorier. I don't think they would sit Leguan because he's that fourth-line center so it becomes even tough now when Kane comes back on Friday, assuming he comes back on Friday. And then if Ennis comes back as well, it becomes tough. But if you've moved out McGinn, maybe moved out Legwand, then it makes a lot of sense to keep Bailey up here long-term. He's got all the talent to be a long-term top nine guy moving forward. Size, he's a good skater, um, tougher on the net, has a good shot, good hands. I'm uh, starting to learn, I think. He still has a lot to learn in the neutral zone and defensive zone, but that's that's to be expected. <clears throat> Jake McCabe, I thought he, he may have been the best defenseman for the Sabres tonight. I, I've liked him a lot recently, especially with how much some of the other some of the other defensemen have disappointed me. I, I think he's played much better recently after having a long stretch of not brutal play, but very disappointing play, and where... A lot of people would call for him to go to Rochester. I thought maybe he should have gone on to Rochester for at least a couple games. But he's looking like he, he belongs in this lineup each and every night. And I think with him it's a it's a confidence thing. And that's a, that's very typical with young players that confidence can be can can be the difference between having a great game or having a poor game. And I think he's going out there and he's playing his game. I think he's he's not thinking about it as much and having some confidence. And when he does that, he's got all the talent to be a legit top four guy. So when he's playing that way, he looks like a legit top four guy. He looks like a number four defenseman right now. And hopefully he can carry that forward down the stretch. There's no reason to be sitting him 
for somebody like Mike Weber. There, there really is no reason to do that when Weber very well could be gone at the deadline, and I don't think he's in the team's future plans. While McCabe, you still have to evaluate him and see is he in the team's future plans. Ristolainen, I thought, also had his best game uh, over this recent stretch. He played 27 minutes tonight, and I thought he really imposes well more than he has in recent games. Not that he's necessarily played badly in recent games, but what you were seeing with him earlier in the season was him going out and really taking it to the other team. And and I don't want to use imposing his will again, but really fully playing his game and not letting anything else interfere with that. And it's similar to what I'm talking about with with O'Reilly, though I think O'Reilly has been worn down more by huge minutes than Ristolainen has. But I think recently both O'Reilly and Ristolainen haven't really looked like themselves. But this is a game where I thought Ristolainen looked like himself and was that dominant guy that you know either already is a number one or is very close to being a legit number one at the NHL level. Um, One note just from the Senators' perspective, I thought Carlson was incredible. Again, I thought he was everywhere. And he played, I, and I looked afterwards, it feels like he's on the ice all the time. He was on the ice for 32 minutes. He had 32 minutes of ice time tonight. I understand that's with a full overtime period, so it's out of 65 minutes. But he was on the ice for almost half of that game. And if the Hart Trophy really was for an MVP, so who's the most valuable to their team, I think that Carlson would have to be a finalist every year, and he would have to be a finalist this year. Uh, because he's the most important player on that team, and he may be more important to that team than any other player is to any other team. You can make the argument, and probably people are thinking right now as I'm talking, Carey Price in Montreal, and look at how Montreal is doing without him. Um, That's a good argument to have, and probably looking at how they collapsed without Price, you could put Price ahead of Carlson. But with any other player... Who else? Who else is more important to their team than than Eric Carlson? It's not you know it's not Patrick Kane in Chicago. It's not it's not Ovechkin in Washington. They have a very good team around him. I understand that he takes him to that next level, and Ovechkin I think will go down as the best goal scorer of all time. So this isn't about who's the best player. That's not what an MVP trophy is supposed to be about. Though that's what it's become. But I think if if the Hart Trophy actually stuck to what it's namesake is his most valuable player Carlson would need to would, would be the front runner this year putting up over a point per game bad defensive depth yeah that team isn't isn't very good but imagine what they would be without him they would be horrendous they would be down they'd be down where the Sabres are right now in the standings and so I just have a lot of respect for him obviously I wish he wasn't in the Sabres division he always seems to do very well against the Sabres um Understandably, he does well against every team, but it just seems like, you know, oh, Carlson again having a great game out there for out there for 32 minutes tonight. Had I think eight shots on goal. But I just wanted to I wanted to make a quick mention of that and how I I do think that he this year he should be the front runner for the Hart Trophy. He won't be he he won't be a finalist. He may not even be a finalist for the Norris Trophy. I I think he should win the Norris and. I, I know I've seen Keith being brought up, um, Dowdy. I mean, all all fantastic defensemen. 
and you can make the argument they may be better than they could be better than Carlson, but in terms of their value to the team, Carlson is there's nobody that there's nobody else that compares to him. Um, also, want to talk about just so that in the shootout, Sabers didn't score in either attempt. I'd mentioned that before, and I don't like the shootout. I never have, but this the Sabers just horrendous performances in them makes me hate them that much more, and makes me just fed up with them and how they can they can determine. They can be the real deciding factor on whether a team goes to the playoffs or not, and I just I just don't like it how a team that's good in the shootout can propel five or six spots up the standings, and a team that's bad in the shootout can vice versa fall five or six spots in the standings. You know, it can make the difference of depending on how many shootouts you get into, it can make the difference of of seven plus points per season, which is a huge deal now with how how evenly spread out the NHL is. But anyways, you know, me me bitching about the shootout isn't going to do anything to change it, and I think it's here to stay, at least for a while. The 3-on-3 three three overtime has enabled more games to end in overtime. I still am on the fence about 3-on-3, about three three, but just wanted to make a note of that. Every time the Sabres get into a shootout, and they don't get into many, which is good, um, but every time they get into a shootout, it just kind of... There's some sort of feeling inside of me. I just I, I, I just don't like it, and I never expect them to win, rightfully so, with how bad they've been in shootouts. Um, so the Sabres are off to Columbus on Friday. They're playing at 7 against the Jackets. Um, the Jackets and the Sabres both are contending for that, for that bottom spot for um, 30th. I've said before I think that Toronto is going to be 30th. I think it's going to be tough for anybody to, to out-tank them. But Columbus and Buffalo are right there, and I think that the race is between those two teams for 29th. I think Edmonton's going to go on a run getting Connor McDavid back, how, how well he's been playing. Um, but Columbus has been has been pretty good recently, and in their last 10, um, I looked at, I believe they were something like 6-1-3 and three or something like that. They've, they've, had a, they've had a good run recently, and they're still being brought down by how terrible their start to the season was. It's not like they're a good team now, but they're at least a they're a mediocre team now since since that beginning stretch where they were just so bad. And I like John Tortorella. I think he's entertaining. Uh, I I kind of have a soft spot for Columbus. Just I have some family there, and uh, though I I hate Scott Hartnell. I, I don't really have a problem with most of their with most of their players, and there's it's just a market I would like to see take off. So, and they will be without um, without Sergei Bobrovsky, probably uh, Corpusalo, who's been getting more of the run as their starter recently. He he should get the nod on on Friday, I would expect. Um, They've got some intriguing young players, guys like Boone Jenner. It's gonna be exciting to see to see what he turns into. Some some of their big acquisitions over the past would it be six months, six plus months. Seth Jones, they rely on him a lot. Brandon Saad. Uh, and they've they, they've gone through a lot of changes over the course of the last couple years, but I think they're I don't know if they're they're trending in the right direction with a high pick this year. I think. They're going to be much more dangerous next year. They're not a flawless team by any means, but um, you also have, um, 
you know, you, they have their four core defensemen that they can really count on. You know, they count a lot on Seth Jones, um, Ryan Murray, Jack Johnson. Those are the three guys they lean on really right now. And then, and then you very well may have Zach Wierenski coming up next year, coming from coming from the college ranks to the to the NHL. And so I think those are the the four core guys you look at on the back end that they're trying to build around at least for the foreseeable future. Jack Johnson obviously is in a different. He's older. He's not as long term of a core piece as, as those other three. But I think they're trying to build around that. Uh, they're still not great down the middle. They really need Boone Jenner to, to be a great player. Um, Saad was a nice addition, and they've got some depth down the wings. I mentioned Hartnell before. Uh, Nick Foligno, obviously I don't think he's ever going to have a year like the year he had in his contract year before he got paid. But they've got some talent there, and if they had Bobrovsky healthy, I'd, I'd be a little bit more worried about them, but I think with how variable their their goaltending is and <laughs> variable is a is a nice way to put it uh the sabers will have a great chance to come out of this come out of this game with a win and they've played pretty well recently maybe they'll get lucky again with with some bad goaltending so this will be an interesting one kind of a tank game for those that are those that are supportive of the tank this is this is your game to to root against the sabers and it's not at home so you're not going to get on any sort of uh, news organization like or any sort of news story like the Sabres fans did last year in that loss against Arizona. But I don't think anybody's that hardcore about it this year because they see much more about the, the longer-term picture, and it's not McDavid and Eichel or bust like it was last year, and rightfully so. So should be a good one. I'll hopefully have a podcast up on, on Friday night. I'm traveling home, so I'll have to watch the game after it happens because I'll be getting back about a little after 10 Eastern time. So I'll probably watch it that night, hopefully have one up right after that, sometime in the middle of the night, or maybe Saturday morning. We'll see. But thank you so much for listening, and looking forward to talking to everyone then.